You're listening to the Work Cultured Podcast, where good companies keep good company. You are listening and watching the Work Cultured Podcast. Welcome. Today, we've got Eric Youngstrom uh, of OnRamp, which is onrampfunds.com, which we'll talk more about in mm-hmm. a sec. Uh, this guy has started and exited successfully, sold, you know, uh, the way to put that, yep. uh, many companies, it sounds like. And, um, you know, we're obviously talking about culture today. Uh, and Eric has a lot of experience with a lot of different people, multiple teams to build them up, sell, have successful exits. And all that. So I'm really excited about this. Eric, just give me a quick and dirty bio on you and uh, and on, uh, OnRamp. Sure. Yeah. Um, OnRamp is the the fifth startup I've worked for. Um, the others have all found some sort of way to exit. Um, I wasn't part of all those exits, right? Really, okay. only, only one was I there beginning all the way through the exit. Others, I was there either kind of I came in near the exit or uh, another one I came in um, very, very first employee hired by the founders um, was there about six years. They exited about four years after that, but you know, ah, I, I'd, I'd made okay. a contribution, right. And had kept my shares so that I yeah, participated yeah. in the exit, but I didn't actually help close that deal. Um, yeah. So, you know, have really um, ever, I went to grad school. I finished that. I worked for Deloitte for a few years and then mm-hmm. in 2004 um, moved into the startup world and have been doing that ever since. Uh, I actually moved into startups when I got engaged cause I didn't, I didn't think consulting was a career that was going to, make for a very successful marriage. So um, 19 years later, we're still married and startups have been good to, to my wife and I. Wow. Almost two decades Tom, uh, yeah. of both marriage and startups. That's right. Yeah. Uh, neither are easy. Neither. It, tur- it turns no. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> neither are easy. <laughs> both worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, okay. So we'll dive in the way we do with all of our guests, which is uh, to ask you the question, what's a mistake that you've made in leadership that you'll never forget? Um. I like to try to forget my mistakes. Not that I don't want to learn from them. I just don't want to dwell on them. Okay. Um, so I'll talk about one recently, though, is just um, um, how you present things or, or a mistake I made in how I presented things really left um, members of, of the team feeling like um, um, there was a team member that that we let or that that I was – moving out as opposed to helping address. Um, and so just the way I said a few things really came across, you know, harsh to the exec team. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we limited it to the exec team um, and really had to go back and just sit down and say, hold on, guys, I'm not trying to, to move a person out of a role. I'm not trying to, to end their time here. What I'm trying to do is make sure that we're actually looking at gaps. We're looking at hurdles and removing those. Mm-hmm. Um, and so helping do that during this period of time is is super important right but it's not a it's not a criticism of it's that's what a small business that's what a startup is right you're always trying to remove hurdles so that you can operate more efficiently um, until you reach a point right where process becomes what carries a business forward in mm-hmm. and in the early stage process does not do that um, but as the CEO right you can say something in a way that sounds like completely innocuous um, but turns heads right and so <laughs> you know fortunately inside of onramp um, the executives felt very comfortable. They say, hold on, Eric, what does that mean? Like you're 
going after this guy. I'm like, oh, no, that's not what I mean at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? We're just going to go, you know, look for more hurdles to get out of the way, more bur- barriers to remove so that we're just running more efficiently. Um, and we're going to do that with our team, not not in spite of our team. So, yeah, just, you know, it it it's funny how your words change or the the interpretation of words can change when you're in a leadership position. Absolutely. Right? Or w- even where in the leadership hierarchy you are, right? It, it just has a different impact. And so, um you know, I, I've sat alongside CEOs at startups. Um, mm-hmm. I've helped CEOs. Oh, okay. I've helped CEOs raise money, um, but I've never been the guy responsible for the raise, right? So I knew that hey, if we don't raise, we're gonna we won't have we we won't be able to make payroll, right? But um, when you're the guy who's responsible for that, it's a whole different level of responsibility and stress. And so, um, you know, I, it, it's the same thing when you're you know, your words just carry different weight, different meanings. You have to be really, really careful about how you're articulating things and, and presenting things to your team so that yep. you're, what you're not doing is just by a poor choice of words, you know, creating drama or attention in an organization when the whole point of this, right, is that we're all in this together, working together, solving problems together, and a, and a, and a problem that one of my reports has or one of the team members has is also mine to help solve. Um, yep. Um, and so I'm trying to do that from, from really that perspective. How do I help so that we can all run more efficiently? And, and there are some areas where I'm going to be probably very helpful because it's my skill sets, other areas where I'm not going to be nearly as helpful. Um, and I find it's the areas where I'm not going to be nearly as helpful where, because of just lack of experience, um, I'm more likely to cause a problem with how I present things than, um, than be as helpful. So that's where I just have to be much slower and, and more, um, thoughtful before I yeah. kind of jump in. Yeah. Do you tend just if you're kind of hardwiring or your natural state, do you feel like you're usually just go, go, go. And, uh, without kind of that, taking that thoughtful, intentional time. Typically. Yeah. I mean, and I think I certainly am. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's the beauty of having a team, right. Is, yeah. um, have when I, when I was, when it's, when I was very early stage before his team started coming in, before I started, you know, raising money that I could go bring a team on, then there were certain things that I could go, go, go on. And there were other things that I didn't know well enough. So that I had to be thoughtful. Um, and then I think probably the challenge was I might've been more thoughtful than was, you know, analysis paralysis kicks in. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. And in that case, then I don't want to make a mistake, but the mistake might've been going slower than I should have. Um, the beauty of having a team, right. Is that then, you know, we've got Matt running our sales team. Matt's a great, sales leader, right? Really knows how to motivate that team, drive that team, um, understands, you know, the, the interplay of the inbound lead gen and the outbound sales efforts. Um, and so I just get out of the way. Um, um, but when it comes to the finance side of things, I I really, I'm really good there. And I, you know, the joke is my happy place is Excel. (laughs) And so then I'm happy to go jump in there and I can move really, really fast there. Um, without, you know, even with the rest of the team around me, right. That we're all kind of solving the same problems and then because it's such a familiar area for me, it's really easy for me to say, hey, I found this, boom. And we've built a relationship around that where people just know, hey, Eric's helping. It's, this isn't about him doing the job for me or taking responsibility away. It's just we're all hands on deck. Yeah. Um, whereas on the sales side, right, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy that says, hey, here's, here's how we're going to rework the sales script. Um, that's just not my forte. So, I, you know, what, I don't, don't want to get in Matt's way. Let him go mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. 
Uh, I'm going to go all the way back because you said something when I asked the question. It, it, it makes me rethink how we ask that question because you said, oh, I try to forget mistakes, but I learn from them. Uh, so me, you, I guess what you're remembering is the learning, not right. the mistake itself. Uh, and I think that is an important differentiator. You know, so, so it's almost better if we say, you know, what's a mistake that you've made in leadership that you'll, you'll always remember what you learned. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, no, it, 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 you know, you don't want to, you know, I, I don't, I don't agree with people who say they don't, they live without regret. I don't know how the hell that's possible. Yeah, same. Um, that being said, right. If you can never let go of it, right. Like you got to learn, I mean, there's forgiveness and all Absolutely. that kind of stuff. Right. And forgiveness is not just others. It's for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to dwell on those things, but I want to make sure that I'm learning from them so that I don't go repeat those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the way I, I think about it. Um, and, you know, I, I suppose if I, you know, you give me two days and I'll probably remember three or four things in my life that I'm really disappointed in myself for doing. <laughs> but nothing comes to mind immediately, right? Because then all of a sudden you're on pressure and you're like, oh, well, hold on. Of course I never made a mistake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's about learning from it, right? I mean, it's, it's about the growth that comes from all this stuff. And you can do that through self-reflection. You can do it through therapy. You can do it, you know, through any number of different ways, right? Yeah. But it's important to be done. Agreed completely. Um, there's a podcast called You Are Not So Smart, okay. <laughs> which I love just the title of it. It's, it's just wonderful because right? I, you know, I like to think I'm pretty smart and then, you know, things like that are like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm pretty dumb uh, and have a lot to learn. Uh, and that, there is actually an episode about regret and we're getting off topic from company culture, but it's, right. it's a really fascinating topic because we all make mistakes and we're never going to stop right. making mistakes. Um, and, and, you know, there's, you know, hashtag no regrets and all that kind of stuff. But this whole episode was an expert that's like, regrets actually really good for you. You know, not shame and not like dwelling, like you're saying, right? You've right. got to let go of that. You've got to forgive. But like regret in and of itself as an emotion, as a reflective component of our mindset can be really, really good. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, again, I don't think people actually mean it when they say it. Right. And I think if you do, you, you may actually be a sociopath. Um, <laughs> but... But you, you, you certainly have to, you can't hold on to it, right? You can't let, if it turns into shame or the inability to forgive yourself, you will just get stalled. So um, there's an important mix there, right? And so, yeah, I mean, you try to learn from all the things you've done, right? The good and the bad. And then, you know, how do you get better at those things? And, and also then, you know, back into leadership and culture, right? That's where um, you're looking to build a team around you that brings the skills you don't have. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it's important to be able to say, Hey, greater, you know, are we achieving the goals we set out where your skills are going to deliver things that I can't do and vice versa. But then as the leader also saying, Hey, but are, you know, are we Mac, are we getting the most out of those skills? Right. And then how do we do that? Um, even if I'm not the person that says how to get the most, cause I don't know that side of the business, right. Yeah. I can't tell the engineers how to go code faster. Right. Um, but what I can do is ask the question, right? And then, you know, and then I can set the example of, you know, there's no job in the business that I won't do and there's no amount of time that I won't put into it. And I'm not mm-hmm. asking everybody else to, you know, to to do everything or to put, you know, 100-hour weeks in if they're needed or all the time. But when they're needed, I, I do want people to say, hold on, wait, we got to get this, we got to get over this hurdle, right? And if it just means that we're going to put in the extra time right now, let's go do that because, Every single employee at OnRamp is, is, has options, right? Mm. Um, every single employee has been given the option to early exercise so that they actually own those things right away, can get the tax treatment around that, the tax benefits around that. Um, and then the other reason for that was that I want to make sure every single employee 
not every employee in a startup is going to be there. You know, not every startup is going to exist for your whole career. Um, and most startup employees will not stay at a startup for their entire career. Um, now, if OnRamp launches and we have somebody who starts here and, and gets to retire from OnRamp, that would be a really <laughs> special thing, right? Yeah. But um, honestly, people might be with you for a year, for two years, for four years. I want everybody who's been at OnRamp, um, especially in these early stages, right, where the, the, the effort that's put in is what is going to sustain the business for the long term, right, and really set the, set the pace, um, that when it is time for them to leave, um, that they get to take that with them. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, it's an interesting thing with options, right? They become a pair of golden handcuffs, right, <laughs> um, if they're structured in one way, but they can also then be like, hold on, like, like it truly becomes compensation. Now, as the company gets bigger and valuations change, right, that becomes harder and harder because they get expensive to go exercise. But yeah. certainly when it's day zero, they're very, very low cost. And I, I just try to make sure, you know, that everybody got participate in that. Yeah, that's really huge. And so let's talk about that. You, you have what, about 30 ish, 26, 26 employees. Yep. Okay. Well, is that similar to size teams that you've worked with and led before? Um, yeah, you know, it, it, at CS Identity, I, I was employee number one with uh, the four founders. And, mm -hmm. you know, within a couple months, we were like 10. And then, you know, slowly built up over the number of years. Um, I think we got there a little bit quicker with OnRamp, um, but we did a little bit, we did a bigger raise early. Um, and then with uh, a lot of kind of stuff going on in the Austin market, a lot of the old Shipping Easy team, which is where mm. I'd last been, right? That was the company I, I joined as one of the first execs and then um, helped our CEO and, and we grew that and we were acquired by Stamps and I worked at Stamps for a while. Um, but a lot of those guys, there was an opportunity for them to roll out and so we actually kind of picked up about half of the actual oh, wow. team. So it was great. Super right? cool. Yeah. You know, and so what happens then is you get, you know, one honestly interesting, right? Cause most of us or kind of half of us have been working together now for a decade, right? And it's a new startup, but you know, the old startup was also in the e-commerce world, helping the e-commerce SMB. So solving problems for the same clients. Now mm -hmm. we're just solving a different problem. Yeah. Um, but bringing a ton of, you know, knowledge and wherewithal from the last decade's worth of work. Uh, and so that's really exciting, right? Because you're working with people you know, that you love, that you've got tremendous respect for, that that you also know, like, have been through yeah. <laughs> day zero and on. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the problems are going to be different, but they're, they they fall into the same category of startup problems that we've all worked yeah. through and, and found a way through and the stresses that come with that, right? So, um, and then you're bringing on new team members that are bringing on, you know, you know new perspectives and you know, new ways of solving problems that are exciting as well, because like, Oh, I never thought of it that way. Right. Or, um, you know, here's a skill set that we definitively need that none of us have. Right. So we do finance, right. And, and none of us have a finance background. Hmm. Um, so we brought in team members with that. Right. And it's been great to learn from them and to be able to apply their knowledge to the e-commerce world and then also go back to them with, Hey, hold on. But this is the difference for e-commerce versus some other segment. Right. And then to meld those things together and create something that, that we think is truly unique and, and interesting yeah. in the world. Yeah. And into, you know, first of all, I kind of give, give you some props there, some kudos, if you will, <laughs> that, you know, to sell a company and then be able to pull from those employees and they still want to work for you. That means you must have treated them well through that exit strategy. Uh, and that doesn't always happen. You know, a lot, no, of, it doesn't. A lot of times employees kind of get the wrong end of the deal even laid off as a result of an acquisition uh, or a merger. And, uh, you know, maybe that's happened, but also it sounds like they, I mean, 
at least a good chunk of them liked you and liked the vision and the strategy and the culture enough that like, yeah, I'll go work for him. Well, I think one, you know, there's, there's kind of a few pieces to that, right? On the acquisition side, um, you know, Katie was our CEO and, and really made sure that the team was taken care of. Mm. Um, two, we were acquired by Stamps, but we were acquired as an independent subsidiary. And so, oh, nice. um, you know, kudos to the, the Stamps executive team, right? That they yeah. actually built a structure that kept those people together. And then, you know, over the course of four or five years, began to put all that together um, in some new ways. And then, you know, they were acquired by a, a big private equity firm and taken private after they were, they were hmm. on the public markets. And then, you know, that's where some of that kind of diaspora begins to spread out, right? But it's, you know, I, I think, you know, there's the PayPal mafia, right? I'd love to see there be, you know, this this kind of theory of, hey, those companies came together and now they're go, going off and building new startups, right? And, and yeah. broadening the Austin ecosystem, if you will. Um, I think the other thing about it is, and, and maybe this is just semantics, but I don't think if people was working for me mm-hmm. is more of working with me, right? Like mm-hmm. eventually you get companies that are big enough where the hierarchy start to kick in. Sure. But, you know, at a startup stage, it's very much very flat, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's not, I mean, we all have the same $25 Ikea desk, right? Um, yeah. we, I, we don't have walls. We have an open office floor plan with a bunch of conference rooms. So if you need to go into a room, you can. Um, but you know, th- th- there isn't a lot of hierarchy there, right? It's yeah. just up and down and everybody's right there. And anybody who needs to ask in, anybody, any question can. And so I think, I think that's probably how you, you keep those relationships, right? I agree. And then, sh- and then the, the one is to be open and just like, look, this is where we are. This is what we're doing. Here's whatever challenge we have to overcome next. Um, so there's no surprises, right? Yeah. Yeah, and words matter, and I think it really is important. It's not it's not just semantics to say they I, they work with me instead of for me. Um, you know, you hear people talk about you know human capital or people are our greatest asset. You're like that's I don't think I like that language. Like, <laughs> wait, they're your asset, like the like human capital. I mean, right? Well, aren't they actually just humans? You know, uh, with a well being and you know all these kinds of things. And I mean, I've I'm guilty of using words like that in the past for sure. Because they were buzzwords, they were whatever. I didn't right. put thought into what do these words mean, but I think they matter. I, I do, right? And and you know, you're always looking for the right skills and the right contributions to be made. And and it's not that you won't make mistakes along the way, and they're going to have to be addressed, right? But and that's not a fun part of the job. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the goal is right to go have a team of people that you're creating something with mm-hmm. that you all get to look back and you know the the product that. I started testing three years ago to go build on ramp or 20 late 2019. Um, it's not my product anymore. I mean, I, I contribute to the product, totally. but it's, yeah, it's now exactly yeah. the on ramp product. Right. And, and you know, our 22 year olds, you know, product analyst is and an underwriter have made contributions, mm-hmm. our data scientists have made contributions, right? How it all comes together and works now and our engineers, right. And our sales team bringing in the client feedback and putting that all together. Yeah. Um, it's so much more and it's, mm-hmm. it's really cool that that's happened. Right. Cause it's, it's actually what, you know, it's more and more what the market needs and that's why we're getting great market adoption and yeah. customer, customer adoption and, and, you know, retention and, and, and whatnot. Um, but it's because of that. Right. And so it, it, it's awesome to see, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then the other really fun thing to see is, um, how it, how the ownership spreads, right. That it's, you can see, you know, our head of risk, John, how excited he is around the risk scoring, what that means, but also then 
not just the esoteric risk score, what that means for the client engagement, right? And how that, mm. that how that's impacting the success of the business and it's become his, right? And the sales team, when they're talking to customers, right? How yeah. it's, how, because they're part of building this, right? That, um, you know, in an early stage company, your sales team is, especially when you have a sales team that's talking to customers, you know, that's the voice of the customer. That's where you're learning, you know, from the customer. And there's a lot of squeaky wheel stuff that can be in there, but there's also just a ton of, of great knowledge that comes from that. Um, and so, you know, it's not a, it, it, at our stage company, sales is not the, um, it's not coin operated, right? And I hate using that word about sales, but hmm. there, there's a, there are places, right, where it's very much, here's the process and you just run through it over and over again. In a startup, right, sales is also teaching the business, okay, what are yeah. the product challenges? Also, what are the sales challenges? Hold on, what are we seeing from marketing in terms of lead gen, mm -hmm. right? What does that mean in terms of ongoing retention and, 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 you know, kind of first engagement to can we keep that customer for three years? Those are different challenges, right? Yeah. And so startups are learning organizations, and, and that means everybody's helping us learn and get better, right? Even, you know, you know if you're in sales, um, you're not just in sales, right? If you're yeah. in engineering, you're not just in engineering, right? It's, it's all coming together. And it's about the learnings. So what are some of the things that you feel like you guys have done really well in, in uh, building out a team? Because that, that's a team that, you, you, that needs to be open to that feedback loop and knowing that they're part of this mission and this, this company that you're building together, right? You're, you're reshaping the product as you talk to clients, as you talk to each other, as you, know, you bring on new people. So those people have to be kind of you know, bought in to a certain degree more than just like, oh, I have a job. And so what are some of the things that you've felt like you guys have done really well to bring on the right people and get them really engaged? Well, one, I think there's, there's a story to a startup that's more than revenue, right? Or more than we're going to go build something that's worth, you know, some huge number one day that we're all going to participate in. Yeah. Um, and so for me, um, when I landed, and I'll give you the kind of the origin story then. So when I landed at Shipping Easy, what was really exciting after the, probably the first six months was we, you know, we had this guy who's, you know, making his product at home um, and was a pastor. And he's like, hey, you know, most pastors have to work a day job. And then, you know, they preach on the weekends, right? Um, and this guy's like, hey, I quit my day job because of you all. Because now I can actually sell enough on my e-commerce store. They don't have oh, to wow. have that other job. And so I can be my own boss while being a pastor, right? I and mean, this is going to free up my time. And he's like, your software may be more efficient. And, and that was just like psychically, right, rewarding, yeah. right? Beyond the, hey, great, we've, we've got more customers coming in. People are, you know, liking the product. They're engaging. They're staying with it, right? Where, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to get the revenue. Actually, hold on. I'm actually making the world a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and then what what we've done at OnRamp is kind of there's the story around that. But then there's the bigger societal impact, which is if you, you know, if you look at the history of the United States and then the history of of kind of freedom and, you know, societies evolving in a way that give the most voices the most impact, it's small business owners. Mm -hmm. And so you can trace this all the way back to the emergence of the Greek city-states through Rome, you know, see what happened in the Dark Ages and then through into the U.S. Um, and so one of the things we talk about right on our ramp is we want to help more small business owners thrive yeah. because it's going to make for a safer and freer and healthier world um, in America. And so um, there is a mission that's beyond just closing the next deal. Mm -hmm. um, 
Um, now, in the day-to-day, right, we're, we're trying to solve, like, how do we close oh, yeah. the next customer, right? Now, all that <laughs> kind sure. of stuff, right? You can't, you, can't, like, you can't just have mission, right, and not also just the yeah. realities of the world. But when you put those two things together, right, people get excited about that, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it excites me, and it's why, you know, when, when the going is really, really hard, and there's plenty of times when it is, that you're still really excited about solving the problem because there's something more than just a, a paycheck associated with it. Yeah. So keeping that, that mission, that purpose, that bigger picture in mind right? throughout that probably hiring process, kind of casting that vision as you're talking to people, as you're bringing them on, onboarding it, et cetera, uh, has been an effective way of kind of getting some stickiness to those, those folks. Yeah. You know, you're sharing the story, right? Yeah. And then it becomes mission and it becomes a shared mission. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, when you, when we, you know, we've lost customers because they've outgrown us. Well, hold on. Like, if our mission is to help them become more and more sustainable, somebody outgrowing what we do means they've reached a, a level of sustainability yeah. that's awesome, right? Yeah. And by the way, that means that there are always new businesses emerging. So let's go ahead and turn our attention to the next 10 and see if we can get a couple of those guys to that stage, right? Or be a part of that journey, right? So that, um, you know, having somebody outgrow you, then it, it, it is disappointing. It is churn, right? But at the same time, um, we, we now call it graduation. Yeah. Right? And so it's kind of like, hold on, that person graduated. All right, let's, let's take pride in that, right? That Absolutely. We, we got to play a part in that. Um, and then for the people who aren't graduating but leaving us, okay, how do we make the product better so they don't need to leave, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, you know, I think sharing, sharing that kind of broader vision gets people excited about coming to work every day and, and, and wanting to be part of, you know, building that business that has a purpose beyond just dollars and cents. Yeah. Um, now that again, the dollars and cents are incredibly important. You can't take your eye off that, of right? Yeah. They're the validation that what you're doing is actually a value to the world. Right. Sure. Um, but then you get a layer of that additional value on and it just makes it that much better. Yeah. I love that. Um, so what, what about the flip side? What are some challenges you're facing? I mean, you're obviously you're growing, you have a good team. They're probably most of them, if not all of them are the right people in the right seats, but still people dysfunction happens everywhere. Every mm-hmm. business problem is a people problem, yep. uh, including the one man show. <laughs> uh, so what are some challenges that you, you're facing right now when it comes to culture? Um, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I, the big challenges on my mind right now is actually less about culture. It's more about the macro conditions, right? We're, we're going through another fundraise right now and that's always a, mm. a fun time, but, but now it's even more hard, um, because of the, the macro changes from a, from a culture perspective. Um, I, th- I think it's, it's just helping the team. Well, so in, in 2022, we had a, what some would call a regime change, right? We mm-hmm. went from, um, you know, in the startup world for a decade with zero interest rates and, until two years ago, essentially no inflation. Um, the mentality of most startups is grow at all costs, right? And investors was yeah. that as well. Um, and in 2022, that changed, right? Mm. Um, and so historically, you would go out and raise more money and, and to just to fuel more growth, even if you weren't kind of getting some of the, the more, you know, meat and potatoes metrics of just a dollar free cash flow. Um, and so helping the team, especially my younger team members who've not been through, um, a recession, right? I have team members who, you know, some of our youngest guys didn't, you know, they weren't even in college when the great financial crisis hit. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, 
a lot of my team um, might have been early in their career when the great financial crisis hit. I think I'm the only guy on the team that actually survived the dot com bust, right? The, wow. You know, and so, you know, just having the perspective of having been through recessionary environments and those types of regime change, um, right? Helping people get along through that was not easy, right? Because, like, oh no, we're supposed to just grow. Let's go throw more money at a problem. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Things are changing, right? And we're going to have to adapt to that. Um, and, and I hope I adapted, I helped the company adapt quickly enough to that. Um, um, you know, and, and, but it wasn't easy, right? It, mm -hmm. it, it is, uh, it is getting people's heads yeah. <laughs> around, you know, used to, and I think I heard it well described the other day on a different podcast, um, was, um, you know, people would r increase their expense line in anticipation of revenue. Um, and now it should, now it's, mm -hmm. if, what I think most businesses ought to be is you increase your expense line in response to revenue. Yeah, um, sure. Right. Which means you may actually find you're going to grow a little bit slower. You may find that you left a few leads on the table that you couldn't convert because you didn't have a big enough team. But in fact, now it's okay. We'll go, now go higher for that because you know, the revenue's there. Yeah. Right. Not, Hey, let's go put a big team on this and then revenue will show up. And if it doesn't, yeah. well, what do we do then? Well, I don't want to have to go do layoffs. Right. That's a yeah. really hard part of the job. Um, and, and you see the big, big name companies that were like really exemplified that. I mean, even, you know, the Ubers and the WeWorks were just pouring money into something before yeah. the revenue was there, certainly before any profit was there. Right. And it does not go well. Well, and, you know, Uber had a different problem, right? Because they had Lyft with, with all kinds of, of um, money from outside of the U.S. where the, the nobody cared about the unit economics. I think that's changed now, and I hope sure. it has. And hopefully, you know, those guys will all start to kind of figure out their, their network effects. Um, but, yeah, certainly for for other early stage companies, right? Um, you know, if, if there were more dollars just going to be delivered to you, mm -hmm. then you had, there was less discipline required. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, we're back in, in an environment where there's just a lot more discipline on spend. Um, and what you want to do is, is let the revenue come and then bring your expense line up until you're at a point where you yeah. can, you can just say, hey, look, we don't need to add more expense now. And we need to do is just get, you know, how do we how do we not drive the efficiencies right and you know every business gets to that point right or every business that survives for the long term gets to that point yeah um but between here and there right that's where the investments come in mm -hmm. and, and you know how do you make sure it's a real investment as opposed to um a bet right <laughs> I, I i don't sure. i don't want to make bets yeah i want to make investments yeah right now not all will come good but there's a rationale behind them yeah yeah now, you said something I found really fascinating because you're the first person who's kind of brought this generational difference up. I mean, we're hiring people now that Y2K is just the year they were born. Right. <laughs> they have no idea <laughs> yeah, good point. what that means, you know? And, you know, 2008, they were not even in their teens. So, so like, yeah, they, they have never been through an economic change like this. And they've got to start feeling the impact. I mean, so many people are already paycheck to paycheck anyways. Right. And when, you know, eggs now are double the price. I mean, it, it's something that, you know, a lot of us don't really think about in, in kind of like, Oh, that's annoying, but it doesn't, it doesn't shake us, but we have employees that are, I mean, it's, it, it, it it's going to shake them. <laughs> and, and we have to be able to think through ahead of time, like, Hey, what are they going to be feeling through this? And how can I, as a leader and my, you know, my executive team, how can we like kind of meet them where they are uh, in a unique way? Cause they've never been through it. Well, I, and you know, from my perspective, I, even at my age, having lived through the dot-com bust and, and um, you know, in a career through that cycle and through the great financial crisis, 
we haven't seen inflation like this since 1980. Yeah. Right now, I was nine. <laughs> um, and so I have a, a recollection, but not a, not a recollection of something costs more. Right. right? Just, I, it was the talk, yeah. right? And, and money means nothing when you're right, nothing that age. Right. Um, you know, but it was the talk. And then I remember just the, the, you know, Reagan became president. And then all of a sudden, there was this kind of euphoria in the country and a kind of a shift in, in mood that you, you know, that you can look back on and see, but even growing through that. Um, but now we're back in those inflationary times, right? Mm-hmm. In a way that, you know, it's been 40 years, right? And yeah. you can't blame people for what the hell do you do, right? Like yeah. nobody's seen it for 40 years, yeah. right? And even if, you know, even my my parents, right, who who lived it viscerally, right? Like, crap, what, what did we do 40 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and then, you know, they're fortunate enough that they're in their retirement years. And so... Um, but I mean, even, even that generation can have its own, yeah. uh, you know, issues they're facing because they, you know, Fixed a lot income. of them, yeah. Yeah. Inflation they're, they're a massive earning, impact. They can't just increase their earnings right. anymore. Yeah. Well, and then, when, and then, you know, like, you know, social security adjusted to that with COLA, but like people were bragging, Hey, we increased social security. Well, hold on. But you also increased inflation. So the, the, there's really no net gain there. In yeah. fact, it's not keeping pace. So right. there's still a net loss. Mm-hmm. It's just, we're trying to help, help those people. Um, so yeah, no, back tying that back to culture, right? Yeah. It, it's 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 trying to help the team. You know, I mean, you don't want to be the old man, you know, telling stories when you were a young boy. Um, but at the same time, it's just trying to help them understand, like, what does this mean? And um, yes, we can still go build a successful business, yeah. but we may take a path that's going to look. F- very different from the path that shipping easy was on because mm-hmm. it was a, you know, shipping easy was a 2012 to 2016 cycle before things got really frothy. Um, right. And so that was a, a different path. Right. And then yeah. stamps.com, we were there 20, call it 2017 through, I was there to 2020, some other guys up till 2021, 2022, um, right. Where it was frothy, but you were already in a public company. So yeah. you weren't solving the same problems. It was a different set of challenges and a different set of opportunities. And then you come in here and, you know, I had guys joining 21 and 22, but it's really changed, right? Mm-hmm. The world is now fundamentally different in terms of risk reward and it what is, people yeah. are looking for us to do. Um, and so I think it's just, it's trying to find a way to tell the story. Now, the thing that's great about startups is we're not public. So I don't have to go, there's not, it, it's not that I have SEC limitations on mm-hmm. what I can say because it creates insider trading problems, right? <laughs> right. They're great. We can just be an open book. So, yeah. you know, every month, like, here's the state of the business. Here's what's happened, right? Um, <coughs> when we did the December update in January, we actually didn't do a December update. We did a 2022 update. Like, here, you know, mm-hmm. here's everything, you know, went well. Here's what we learned, right? All this kind of fun stuff. Then, you know, we get to February, we do January, back to month to month, right? But it is like, hey, here's here's our P&L, right? Here's how much we're burning. Yeah. Here's how much we have left in cash. Here's what that means for our runway, right? So mm-hmm. that we're all in this together trying to, figure out what we're going to do next, right? So that we're either getting to a point where we've got a dollar in free cash, which means we don't have to ever raise again, or what are we doing to make sure that if we're going to go raise more capital from investors, that we have a story that is exciting, right? That says, hey, we're on the right path. Um, And that, you know, the investors are going to look at it and say, yeah, we agree. Let's go ahead and and join you on that journey, right? Um, And so I think that's one of the things I really like about startups is just how open you get to be, right? Um, and what I want for the team to understand is you're going to 
again, your career is probably going to span a bunch of startups if this is what you want to do. So I'm trying to be as open as possible so that they can say, okay, great, what can I learn from this? Mm -hmm. um, either, you know, you might be 22, 23 years old and, and not a leader in the business, but you're still, you should be learning from it. Yep. And then when you get to the next startup, like, hold on, maybe Eric was a terrible leader. And, and now I'm seeing an amazing leader in front of me. Well, that's the, like, holy crap. I didn't know how bad he was. Or, hey, man, I didn't realize just how good a leader Eric was. Sure. Right? Cause I'm now seeing a really bad one. Yeah. Um, but you should be able to take those experiences, right, and then apply them yeah. for the rest of your career. And, you know, at 51, um, I don't know that I get into another startup after this, right? So for me, like, this is an opportunity to try to make, you know, you know, to, to go swing away as a founder for the first yeah. time, but also to, you know, to, to help you know, I've got executives in their thirties and forties, right. Who still have two, three, four more startups in front of them. Sure. And, um, you know, to help them be able to go pursue those dreams and, and, you know, hopefully maybe even found their own one day. Right. So yeah. you can say, Hey, look, on my had a, you know, had an impact as well. And we had our own diaspora, right. That went out there and, and did great things after it. Yeah. That really is incredible. Um, I love that. Uh, I did a time check, so I want to okay. kind of move to the next segment, um, sure. which is really, it, it kind of makes sense anyways, because, I think so. We we talk about plugs. Like, what do you want to plug? And I'd like to to hear a little more about OnRamp because you know a lot of the things we're talking about will make a lot more sense with context of what it is you guys do with like funding e-commerce and things like that. Sure. So, um, give me the quick and dirty of of OnRamp, and then if there's anything else you want to plug, uh, you know, please feel free. Um, so we we provide a working capital product for e-commerce SMBs. So basically, you know, if you have if you're a an e-commerce business owner with less than $10 million in annual revenue. Um, and for early stage guys with your first 5,000 in 30 days revenue, right? We kind of, that's where we bookend. Um, we have financial solutions available that help you, you know, pay for inventory, pay for advertising, pay for shipping and fulfillment. We're solving the working capital problem and the cash conversion cycle problem of a small business. So I'm going to, I'll give an example. So if you have a million dollar a year revenue business, right? Great. Hey, million dollars. That's, that's fantastic, right? You've really accomplished something there. Um, $250,000 in revenue a quarter that probably requires somewhere between 50 and a hundred thousand dollars in, in capital, right? To purchase inventory, mm -hmm. to pay for Google ads or Amazon ads, to pay the Amazon commissions, um, and to pay the shipping and fulfillment of that inventory. So round about day 60 to day 75, you finally have sold enough um, and manage the cost of goods sold as you're selling that, um, profit dollars are emerging, right? Before that you were just basically recovering the early investment. Yep. Profit dollars are emerging, but now it's day 60. Well, I need to go buy more inventory. So that yeah. Q2, I've got I've got more to sell. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what happens that cash conversion timing basically captures all the profit of a small business owner somewhere until they're somewhere a million to 3 million in revenue, you finally get to enough where there's some dollars coming back out. So the end of the year comes around and your accountant say, Hey, congratulations. You had a 10%, 15% profit margin on that million dollar business. And here's your tax bill from the IRS. And your wife's saying, well, why the hell are we still eating PB and J? <laughs> because there's no cash, right? It, yes, you have an accounting profit. It's on paper, but your cash is tied up in inventory. And all of a sudden, Oh, by the way, inventory is an asset. And so mm. that can get taxed. And what, what just happened? Yeah. And so what we do is come in with cash that says we're going to fund that part of the business. It's a 30 to 150 day, essentially a loan, um, that then allows the merchant to take their personal capital 
that's tied up in that and pull that back out and say, you want to use it to pay your salary? Do you want to use that to reinvest in the business and grow faster, right? And, um, and because we're so tightly aligned with this cash conversion cycle and the working capital cycle of these small businesses, we can actually increase how much we give to the merchant, you know, every seven to 15 days mm. because we're actually monitoring the daily sales feeds. Yeah, right? you, you API tie into a Correct. Shopify or yep. whatever else. Yeah, so you're seeing it live. We see it live. We know every single order. We know exactly how, you know, if pricing's changing, if margins are changing, if the use of coupons is changing. And um, and so because of that, right, if your sales are accelerating or, you know, we have seasonal indexing and things like that. So we know, hey, great, it's July, August. You, you, you're not, you don't need more for August, September. You need more because you've got Christmas coming, mm -hmm. right? And let's help you get ready for that, right? Yep. Then when November and December are here, you're, you're ready for, you're, you're pulling money for Q1. Like, we well, don't need nearly as much. So let's not give you so much money that it's, you're just paying for funds you can't efficiently use, mm -hmm. right? Let's actually allocate that appropriately for where the business is. Now, some businesses, right? Hey, if you sell supplements, your your Christmas season is actually January. Everybody wants to feel healthy. Yep, yep. Right? <laughs> you sell seeds, right? It's the spring, right? Um, and so what we're doing is in aligning with that and really understanding the business. And we're and this is where you know that shipping easy and stamps experience comes in, right? We, we've been we've been building these workflow management and shipping and fulfillment and inventory management and all these other pieces of software for the back office of the merchant, and we're able to take all that learning from a decade. Um, of working with the exact same merchant sellers now to say, hey, great, here's how we're going to solve the working capital problem and that you're already using software solutions that provide the efficiency back there, mm -hmm. but the cash piece is missing. Yep. And so we've built, built this specifically for that. Um, you know, we've deployed, you know, $30 million in the, in the last 12 months wow. um, helping these merchants. Um, and I'm hoping we're going to do, you know, seven, eight times that this year. That's um, incredible. So yeah, it's, it's a really cool product and it's fun to help the, the small business owners yeah. and see them grow and, and, um, and to participate in that. Right. And, you know, some guys who started it with us, you know, eight, nine, 10 million revenue, and they've kind of since moved on because they've graduated. Right. Sure. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. We are part of that journey. We have other guys where, you know, they're their first $5,000 in revenue and, mm -hmm. you know, we're giving just a little bit of cash, but it's helping them learn, like, hold on, that is my cash conversion cycle. So yeah. that, as their business grows, instead of running into a stumbling block, like they're already aware, right? Because they've been using it very, very early on. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big range of, if anybody's listening in e-commerce store of any kind, 5,000 to million or plus in yep. revenue, like onrampfunds.com. Yeah. Yep. That's really cool. Anything else you feel like uh, plugging? Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I have another plug. Um, I, I would simply say for one of the things we're trying to help the online sellers through inflation is, yep. um, you know, you have two choices to drive margin into a business. You can increase your price, you can reduce your costs. Um, and I think with inflation, you have no choice but to increase price. And yep. one of the things we keep advising sellers is for your loyal buyers, push coupons, push promotional discounts, things like that. Um, even for your new buyers, you might even just say, Hey, you know, input, 10% off in the promotion field and you're going to save 10%, but then raise the price 10 or 20% or yeah. whatever it is yeah. so that eventually that promotion is going to go away. But what you start to psychologically teach your buyers is the price is going up, right? Mm -hmm. I, now I'm letting you buy it at yesterday's price today because of this promotional or this coupon, yeah. right? But you're starting to teach people that, Hey, the price is going to have to change. Yeah. Um, 
That's really good Because advice. if you don't, you're not going to mm-hmm. be in business, right? Yep. You're, you're just going to be selling at a loss and that, that doesn't last for very long. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to see people have to go through this, right? But this is this is the impact of mm-hmm. a of a 5 to 9% inflation rate is that those costs have to get passed on or you have to get even more hyper efficient on your back end to re, to, to wring cost out of the business mm-hmm. so that you don't, so that you still have the margin that you need. Um, yeah. But with, so, ev- with every supplier yep. also raising the rates, that's near impossible to do right yeah. now. So, and every shipping carrier, right. Having to raise the rates and then, Hey, is, is wages increase, right. In three PLs, those prices are going to go up. Right. Yeah. So, um, it, it's, it's just something you have to manage. And mm-hmm. so there are ways to do that where it doesn't come as a sticker shock to your customers. And so you really want to be thoughtful about that so that you can start to pass along those costs, but in a way that the customer feels like they're part of the journey and they're getting their head around it early. So when finally that discount goes away, eh, okay, last week it was, or last month or a quarter ago, it was 20 bucks and now it's 25, right? All right, I'm there. Um, yeah. Although, but you know, overnight like what just happened right you can scare people too with it so Uh you gotta just you want to manage it appropriately yeah that's fantastic advice thank you yeah i appreciate that um i'm going to end with a a a fun just kind of quick fire okay so i'm going to say five different this or that's and you just the first one that comes to your mind okay uh first one beer or wine neither neither liquor ah which kind tequila Tequila. oh really all right all right all right uh spend money or save money oh i'm probably Spending more than I should. <laughs> uh, bus or train? Train. Yeah. Baseball or volleyball? Um, volleyball. If you've been playing. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> uh, last one, call or text? Text. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we like to end off just with a little bit of fun and silly. I like uh, it. Get, let's just kind of put an end cap on it. It's been Eric Youngstrom with On Ramp. Fantastic interview. Thank you. Appreciate everything you've you've given us here. I really enjoyed uh, it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, well, this is the Work Culture Podcast, and we are signing off. <laughs> <laughs>